0: We've been talking about the core truth of every major religion, of every true religion, of every real religion, that core truth is love. If you study any of them, and you take it past its mythology down to its depth, it's about love, it's about love. And when we decided to rename this church, That was what we had in mind how can we say to the world who we are what we are what we believe in we believe in that one love that one love not his love or her love or their love or our love not his god her god their god our god but the one the one god the one love and so we've been demonstrating it this, that this month through um, studying various literatures and contrasting them with our, um, the literature that we're more culturally uh, likely to be exposed to, which would be the Jewish and the Christian Bibles. So today I wanna to talk about the Christ and the Buddha. So the Christ is not Jesus's last name. His name wasn't Jesus Christ. Jesus the Christ. The Christ is a title. The Christ is an, a, a description of someone who has gone beyond the human and taken on the full mantle of God, the Christ. The Buddha was not his name. <laughs> his name wasn't Buddha. He was called the Buddha. Um, because when he came out of his meditation that led him to a new understanding, a new understanding that so filled him that he was never the same again, people saw it the moment they saw him and asked, What are you? Who who are you? What are you? And his answer was, I'm awake. That's it. I'm awake. I'm not special. I'm awake. We're all asleep. <laughs> you too can awake. If you're asleep, you can awake. And that was his way of saying, I'm not special. And I think those, that was very much the, the uh, message of Jesus. He says in John, anything that I do, you can do too. And greater things than these will you do. It's really easy for us as Buddhists or as Christians to say, well, that was them. I, you know, I'm just a little human. But what they did was wake up. What they did was stop believing in the evidence of this world of seeing this very, very limited world and to begin to believe in the evidence in their own hearts, in their own minds, in their own souls, in their own relationship with something greater. With God the Father, as Jesus would say. With Brahman is what Buddha would say. They saw past all of this world of form and realized that there's another whole world, a world of spirit. And so I want to read for you um, just a couple of things. Jesus said very famously uh, in John 1630, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. In this world, you will have trouble. He didn't say you wouldn't. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I have the secret. I have the answer. Follow me. He kept saying, follow me. We're like, no, let's worship you instead of following you because that's a lot easier to do. Follow me. Do what I did. Pray as I prayed. Be with God as I am with God. The Buddha said something similar. It's life is dukkha. <laughs> I, it always cracks me up that it's so close to life is dukkha. <laughs> life is dukkha. And that's often been translated as suffering. Life is Suffering. Scott Peck in The Road Less Traveled says, in life there is suffering. Nobody gets through it without suffering. Nobody gets through this life without suffering. But the beautiful thing when we look further into the Sanskrit word dukkha is that it does not translate directly as suffering. It translates as anything we try to hold on to that slips from our grasp or anything that we want that we can't seem to get. Now, I understand why that was translated as suffering. But what it means on a, on a deeper level is that, yes, horrible happenings are dukkha. Tragedy is dukkha. Loss is dukkha. But so is happiness. Happiness is dukkha because guess what? It's going to pass. It's an emotion. It's a state of mind. And it will pass too. Everything that we hold on to is dukkha. But Jesus said, I have overcome the world. And I'm going to read you from the Sermon on the Mount, which I think is his description of how he has overcome the world and his teaching for how we can. Matthew 4, verse 23. Jesus went through Galilee And large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. And in the next chapter 5, he sa- it says, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. Now, I have to say, being raised in a fundamentalist church, this was something that um, we actually were exposed to a lot. I read this a lot, and I read it in a very different way. And I think the connotation I got was, yeah, yeah, go ahead and call me bad, because my reward is in heaven, and y'all are going to hell. (laughs) Um, That is not Jesus' message. And... um, I think some of his message is lost a little bit in translation, so I wanna go, and then then what the Buddha said is life is suffering, it is suffering, but all things change. That's one cause of suffering. Actually, the cause of suffering, these are the four noble truths. In life, there is suffering. The cause of suffering is holding on to what changes. (laughs) The third noble truth is there is a way out of this. And the fourth noble truth is the end of suffering. Beginning to hold on to only the eternal. Learning to hold on to that which does not change. The path to bring the end of suffering. That's what the Buddha taught. And there are, I think, some really beautiful parallels between the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount and the Eightfold Noble Path um, that the Buddha outlined. So, they're not all in the same order, but the Buddha's path was right understanding. First of all, you got to understand what's really going on. Jesus said, blessed are the fu- pure in heart, for they shall see God. That means they shall fully Pure in heart, we let go of all that stuff that doesn't matter. We fully know God, love as our source. When we fully know that God is the only source, then we can begin to experience God even in substance. Consciously, right understanding, get conscious. Wake up. Wake up to the truth of who you are because therein oneness resides. The second of the eightfold path, right, concentration. Same thing we say in new thought, thoughts held in mind, produce after their kind. What are you thinking about? What are you concentrating on? Jesus said, blessed are they that mourn for they shall be comforted. And I think what he meant was good on you when you stay aware and present to what's happening rather than distracting yourself. They that mourn. There are many things to mourn in this life, and we can run away from them, we can stuff them down, we can pretend they aren't aren't there, we can try to cover them up with beautiful icing and sprinkles, (laughs) and that is not the way to growth. That is not the way to growth. When you are faced with the inevitable pain of life, When you stay present to it, that is the place where healing can happen. And if you ever put off a grief for many years, just because this hurts too much, I'm not going to face it, what you will know is that you can't heal from it until you've faced it. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are you when you meet this world of form as it is, with true understanding, and then the healing can happen. The third of the Buddha's uh, eightfold path, right thought. Right thought. And another way of saying that is beginner's mind. That's a big thing in Buddhism. If you think, uh, I was a teacher, I'm still a teacher, but how, and the same is still true. When I taught music for so many years, the thing that I discovered is that the only person who cannot learn, is the one who thinks they already know. <laughs> you start telling someone something and they're not listening to you and they're going, yeah, 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 I got it. Yeah, 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 I got it, I got it, I got it. I got it. They don't got it. <laughs> and more sad than that, they're not gonna get it because they're not listening. And so right thought, beginner's mind. And Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the humble, Blessed are the ones who are willing to listen. Blessed are the ones who have not puffed themselves up by thinking they have all the answers. There's where the kingdom of heaven is. Good on you when you release self-will, when you become open and teachable, for you have made space for heaven to enter your earthly consciousness. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The fourth of the eightfold path is right speech. Be careful what you say. Jesus said, blessed are the persecuted for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When men revile you, persecute you, say all manner of evil against you, rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven. What that means is Blessings on you who stay focused on spirit, on the real truth, despite what's happening in the world, even falsely accused. And Jesus demonstrated that so beautifully, as we talked about at Easter, when he stood in front of Pilate, and Pilate's like, they say this about you, they say this about you, they say this about you, what do you say? And he's like, I know that you don't have beginner's mind, so nothing I say is going to matter. I know who I am. I've never done anything outside of who I am. So look at my life and make your judgment and don't put it on me. So blessings on you who stay focused on spirit despite the pain of life. Blessings on you when you can continue to speak love in the face of hate blessings on you who refuse to believe any lie that says you're less than or that anyone else is less than, holy and sacred. Don't return hate for hate. That is right speech, not just in our words, but in our thoughts and actions in everything we do. The fifth on the Eightfold Path is right action. Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. So merciful means not just when someone comes to you begging for forgiveness that you actually forgive them. But merciful means when you see someone who needs a leg up, give them a leg up. It means when you see someone who is struggling, ask if there's a way that you can help in their struggle. And I think it means also, because we cannot be merciful to others if we are not merciful to ourselves. Give yourself a leg up when you need it. Give yourself a rest when you need it. Give yourself the love that you need so that you can keep in right concentration, and right speech, and right action. Blessings. And this is really talking about what in the Buddhist tradition would be called karma. And what Jesus said over and over again, as you give, so you shall receive. As you do, so shall it be done unto you. This is not about some punishing God who later, after you're dead, you will stand before and He will say, yeah, you did bad things, bam, I smite you. This is about the way the world works. The way the world works. Stay in the good, and you will continue to receive the good. That doesn't mean that bad stuff isn't going to happen. And it doesn't mean you don't show up for it and feel what it feels like and be present for it. That's already included, right? This is the fifth step. So we've already conquered right understanding, beginner's mind, right concentration, right thought, right speech, and now right action. We can actually give more than we should. Rather than giving what we think we should, we can give more. And as Scott Peck so beautifully said, you can't, it doesn't matter even if you try, you cannot give to another without giving to yourself. You cannot love another without getting more love in yourself. It doesn't matter whether they return your love tit for tat. That is not what it's saying. That's saying when you love, in that moment you are filled with love. And what could be better than that? That is the moment that you are closest to God. That is the moment that you are a reflection or an expression of God in the world. Every moment that you love. Right action. Number six is right effort. Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness. In 12-step programs, what they tell people who are in recovery is, your recovery must be the most important thing in your life. If it becomes the second most important thing, then whatever is the first important thing might drag you right back down the drain that you struggled so hard to get out of. Is God the most important thing in your life? Is love the most important thing in your life? And I'm not just talking about what you believe here. I'm talking about what you do. What what are you putting your effort toward? What are you working for? Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Make compassion your ambition. And when compassion is your ambition, you will develop a skill for compassion. You will develop a habit of compassion. Love it as if you're starving for it. Goodwill for all, contentment even in aggravation, presence, not dwelling in the past or fearing the future, presence, presence, and forgiveness of self and others. It's part of the letting go. Number seven is right mindfulness. And and Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Because when we are permeated with peace, we become the presence on earth. We become loving. When you are peaceful, there's no reason to be anything but loving, right? So I believe this is the same thing when you carry a mind of love, when you carry a mind of peace with you, right? Mindfulness, be aware. Be aware of what's happening in this present moment, not just at the level of what you see, but at the level of what you know. That there is a love that undergirds and overarches and wraps around and lives through every bit of what you can see. Right, mindfulness because when you are permeating your thoughts, with God, with love, with peace. You become that peaceful presence on earth, and you bring peace with you wherever you go. I don't know if you've ever seen that play out in your life. I am not, those of you who know me, a particularly all-the-time peaceful person, perhaps. (laughs) But I know that when I refuse to be ruffled by what's happening and I stay in my truth, that everything else works out better. Everything else, when I can be the presence of peace, be the peace that you want to see. And then the last is right concentration. Mm. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. I'm going to say, surrender your personal will to the higher will. Meek doesn't mean, oh, I don't matter, I'm a doormat, just walk all over me. That's not what meek means means in this context. It means open, it means faith-filled, it means surrendered. It means you're not pushing and shoving, you're allowing. You're allowing because when you truly open up to allow the truth, the truth is love, right? Not allowing others to push you around, but allowing yourself to be the truth of who you are so that you don't find yourself in the midst of the pushing and the shoving. Good on you who are willing even to say help. That's part of meekness, is understanding when it's beyond our personal ability. Help. Help to other people. Allowing them, when you ask someone to help you, guess what? They get to love you, and then they grow in love. They can't do it just for you. The moment they do it for you, they're doing it for themselves. Remember that. The same with God. Don't you think that God is just like, finally, (laughs) finally, she said, help. Maybe she's open enough now for me to give her a little nudge. Before, she thought she had it all in mind. That's the opposite of meekness, thinking we know again. Blessed are they that, oh, I already did that one so this idea that when you are willing to say help, when you're willing to be who you are, you will have dominion over what's manifest in the world. When you, when you go forth concentrating on, only on, the truth that you know. Well, here's the truth that I know, and here's how I have to deal when I have to call the telephone company again and again and again. What if You are the truth that you know in every situation in your life. I think you will find that the world meets you in the way that you are leading out. And if it doesn't, you didn't lose your peace. You still win. Not win over someone else, but win over the parts of yourself that would be less, that would settle for less, that would allow yourself to be asleep, that would allow you to be warlike and push and shove. And so what does that mean in the context of what's going on in our world right now? It means that we don't know. We can't explain it. But what we can do, the only thing that we can do is to continue to show up as the love, as the peace, as the presence that we are, that Jesus asked us to be, that the Buddha described as the only way out of suffering And when enough of us do that, there ain't no more war. There's no need for it. There isn't a need to include people because no one's excluded. We live in a world where we exclude all kinds of people, all kinds of them. What what Jesus is saying, what the Christ is saying, and what the Buddha was saying is, when you include all, there is nothing outside of you then we are one in love. Isn't that what we all want to be? Thank you.